Well, good morning, Life 21, and it, uh, thank you for joining in and tuning in this way. And just want to give you an update, kind of why we're doing this. Um, as you know, Danny and I recently went down to a conference, and from that conference, there there was a couple of positive tests, and and so you know, Danny ended up getting tested. He was feeling a little bit of symptoms. He got tested, and that came back positive. Uh, and just yesterday, I started feeling a little achy and a some chills and fever and a little cough. And so that's why we made that decision. We just felt wisdom was best to do that. And plus the fact that when you take out Danny and me and our households, that's that's a good chunk of our staff right there. So uh, thank you for, for doing this. Uh, sorry for the inconvenience, but um, we will get through this. It'll be good. And this is part of what we want to do too is, is you know, we are we're not limited to a building to be the church. We are, we are the church wherever we go. So we've, we've always wanted to kind of look at going into the home. And so this is a good opportunity. Um, and be praying for us. So thanks on that and, and just wanted to give you that update. So today we begin a six-week series, uh, Do You Hear What I Hear? Um, and it's going to be taking us through the end of the year and really will be a preparation for us because at the beginning of next year, we're going to launch into a full study on the Gospels. Um, but we wanted to take this time of, of looking at this concept, do you hear what I hear? And there's going to be three things that I hit today. And the first two are going to go through pretty quick, and the last one I'm going to focus on a little bit more. The first one is just what are the gates of Hades? Uh, I think it's important for us to understand what are the gates of Hades because Jesus talks about us going to the gates of Hades. And then what is the ecclesia? And understanding that. And then what makes the ecclesia effective? And as I said, that's going to be our focus is, is what makes the ecclesia effective in bringing forth the kingdom. So if you want to turn your, with you to your Bibles um, to Matthew 16, I have it on the screen here and I'm just going to read through it for us all. Uh, and it's good just to, to read scriptures over. Hopefully you can take time just as a family reading some scriptures. What has the Lord been speaking to you in scriptures and, and speaking it to one another? Um, but it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others uh, Jeremiah and one of the prophets. And then in Luke, it talks about in Luke 9, he says, one of the prophets who was raised from the dead. I want to just focus on that. Like if you notice, each one of these people that the people are saying that Jesus is are all dead people. So there's two things that are going on here. One, we just as spiritual beings, we have this understanding that the resurrection from the dead does exist. But we also have an incomplete understanding of the resurrection from the dead. So all these people were saying, hey, he might be a reincarnation of all these dead people. And then Jesus said to his disciples, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice that word living. It's in the midst of this death. Everybody else was proclaiming him to be a dead person, resurrected to new life. But he said, Peter said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, or ecclesia, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. 
So what is the gates of Hades? Um, Hades is, is a, a term that we know, it's a Greek word, but when we look at hell and Hades, in both the, the Greek and the Hebrew, there's a, a separate word for both of those. And they're two different entities. Hell and Hades are not the same place. Uh, Hades is equivalent to the Hebrew world, Sheol. And it literally means the place of the dead. I heard this recently that Bill Johnson said this. I didn't have time to do all the research, but I trust him that he did the research and isn't throwing it out there. But he made this statement of what Hades is. And he said it's the, Hades is the manifestation of hell on earth. When you think of it, it's like there's a spirit realm and what hell is, and then it's a manifestation of hell on earth. So anywhere that you see things not operating in accordance to the Father is a gates of Hades. And where they were at in Caesarea Philippi was known as the gates of Hades. And it's interesting here what happens is Jesus puts two entities and he puts them against each other. It's now the ecclesia versus the gates of Hades. So what is the ecclesia? Well, we know from Matthew 18, the ecclesia is wherever two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. He says, there I am in their midst. Uh, but the ecclesia is not a strategy. It's not a philosophy. It's simply a vehicle. It's a vehicle to usher the kingdom of God into this world. When we hear that phrase on earth as it is in heaven, how does God do that? He's going to use his ecclesia as his vehicle to bring forth the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I use the term there, donkey. Uh, when you think of Jesus, when he walked into the city, he came into the city as a king. He rode the donkey. The donkey ushered the king in. The ecclesia ushers the kingdom in. And the last thing I'll say is, what is the ecclesia? It's the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, sons there is a, it's not a male or female, it's, it's both. It's a whole entity. And it's really saying it's the manifestation of his ecclesia, the sons of God. When we hear that phrase where it says, all creation is eagerly waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. What it's saying is they are waiting for the ecclesia to arise that the ecclesia would arise and shine and would lead the kingdom, usher the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And it's important for us to know because sometimes we can think like we are his ecclesia and then we're going to go against the gates of Hades, but it's not us. It's not just me. We are in tune and working together. So it's the ecclesia plus the Trinity and then everything he has, all the angels, um, the full trinity, the angels, everything that God has access to for it, that is what he's working with his ecclesia. And he gives us a promise, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So what makes the ecclesia effective? As I said, this is what I really want to focus on today, and it, it's what brought forth this, this uh, title for the sermon, Do You Hear What I Hear? You see, when Jesus was was there and he asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? We have to understand Jesus, everything he did, he did because he saw the Father do it. So he was in constant communion. I think it's in Mark, if, if you look at Mark 8, Luke 9, and Matthew 16, you see the accounts of, of a similar story. And I believe it's in, it's in Mark where it says, Jesus was alone praying and then he went to the disciples. 
and he asked this question. I think he was so in tune with the Father. Here's what I think happened. You know, when we, when we have this statement that Peter makes, there's a couple things that people have theologically looked at, and, and they're not wrong, and I'm not saying we're going to debunk those. I just say I want to look at it from a different, different venue here. Sometimes we look at it that Peter was declared the leader of the group. He was going to be the one that was leading this charge. Uh, that's, that could be true because in the natural, Peter was the leader. Some people would say it's, it's the declaration that Peter made and that when we profess Christ as Lord, that we will be saved. But when you look at the context around this, and when, G, when Peter made this statement, I just view Jesus as being like this, just this, this, he is just overflowing with excitement. Like, why was he so excited? It wasn't because uh, finally somebody else recognizes who I am. He wasn't struggling with that. The excitement was for the first time, one of his disciples heard the Father the way that Jesus heard the Father. I would almost just present it to us. I don't have theological background, and there's nothing in the Bible. But, you know, when Jesus was, was kind of hanging out with, with his people, there'd be these little side conversations going on, and he would perceive what was going on, and he would address it. I wonder if Jesus heard the proclamation from heaven, and then right before, Peter, as he heard it, and declared it. And as I said, it was like the first time that one of his disciples heard the Father the way that Jesus heard the Father. And you see, this is, this is what makes the ecclesia effective, is when we can begin to hear the Father the way Jesus heard the Father. Now, I, I wish, I mean, it took these, the disciples years of trying to get this. And even when you look in, in these, the context of this, it's like they had ups and downs. And Peter, in this declaration, we know what happens after when all of a sudden he just gets taken away and Jesus starts to talk about going to the cross. And Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him. And what Jesus then says is he says, Get behind me, Satan, or you evildoer. What he's speaking to is he's speaking to the demonic entity that is functioning in Peter. And what he says then is he says, Peter, set your mind on things of God, not on things of man. You see, he went from this moment where he was just focused on what God was saying as the Father, and then he fell back into this moment, trusting his own understanding. I don't know about you, but I, I, I do that periodically too, where I, I'm just in tune where you feel like, oh, I'm just moving and things are really clicking with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, it just feels like I just stumble. And when you look at the context of this, Peter, what he was doing is you go through this, if you look at Luke, um, where it happens after, after he makes this proclamation, he takes them up and they experience the transfiguration. And when they come back down from that, the disciples get into a debate who is the greatest? Well, who do you think led that charge? The guy that just heard the Father for the first time like nobody else had done. And he had seen things that nobody else had seen. And so he had this, uh, he was kind of moving in that and he wasn't thinking of things of God. He was setting his mind on things of man. The third thing that makes us effective is relating to one another like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see that in Matthew 18, and it's called Symphonio. 
And you heard me share on this a couple weeks ago. It's becoming one, just as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. That we are coming into that culture, but then that culture comes into our culture as a church, as a body of believers. And we start operating and relating to one another the same way that the Father relates to the Son and the Son relates to the Spirit. It's a high calling, but that is what he's calling us to be effective as his ecclesia. That is what he's calling us to do. And the last thing I'll say here on what makes us effective is intimately relating with the Spirit. John 16, 13 through 15, it says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare. Just that phrase right there, what we see is the Spirit is operating the same way that Jesus is operating. Everything the Father speaks, the Spirit hears, and he's releasing it to us, the ecclesia, so that we can manifest his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. As I said, there's, there's a part in this, if you go through all Matthew 16, like that's what he was talking about when, when he said the leaven, beware of the leaven of the religious leaders. And the disciples thought it was about something else. They thought he, they had forgotten bread. But what he was trying to teach them was put your mind on things of God, not the things of man. And that comes from hearing the Father as Jesus hears the Father. So what comes out of this when we start operating as the ecclesia? There's three things that happen. Because we're ushering in his kingdom, there's three things that will come upon us as his ecclesia. Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy. Those are three things that will manifest. Everything we do, there should be a manifestation of righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, the definition, literally means this is one that I came across, and I thought this really sums it up the best. Righteousness is the state of being who we ought to be. Think about that, just in every context. Like, we were created to be in perfect harmony and relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. Because sin came in the world, it separated us. But Jesus came back and then sent his Holy Spirit to bring us back into that so that we can come back into being who we ought to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the righteousness of God is imparted to us as the ecclesia. It's not something we learn. It's not something we, we have to strive to get. It's imparted to us. The same is for peace. Here's what Jesus says to his disciples, and he speaks it to us right now. It says, Ecclesia, For peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I want to highlight one thing. Do you know that the world attempts to offer us peace? Every moment of every day they're trying to offer us peace. You know, the song that, that goes along with this is probably in your head when you see this, Do You Hear What I Hear? It was a song written by a married couple in 1962, 
And the whole purpose of it was not to glorify God. It was to put a, a call out to people to bring peace into the world during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Basically, in, in all honesty, it was kind of the John Lennon. All we're saying is give peace a chance. The peace that the world offers cannot carry the weight. I mean, think about it. When has the world existed and there has not been conflict or strife? There's only one place that true peace can come from, and that comes from Jesus. And what it says is he says, my peace I give to you. Again, as his ecclesia, and right now I'm speaking to us, he has imparted his peace into us. And when he imparts that peace into us, we can impart peace to everyone else. A true peace that does not come from the world. And the last thing that overflows is joy. Jesus says in John 15, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. His joy is in us. It gets imparted to us. We know that phrase as I shared it to you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But I want us just to meditate on that. Jesus imparts his joy into us and it fills us to the full. And the whole reason is so that we can impart it to others. The world is in need of the kingdom of God to be revealed and it will be revealed through his ecclesia. I just want to close with this. It's from John 17, 14 to 18. And I think it is, you know, the, the, the ecclesia was never established to be an entity that gathered in one place. Like, it, it wasn't a building. It wasn't a once-a-week gathering. It was a 24-7 entity that would usher in the kingdom of God. And when you think of it, when we talk about gathering in church, if everybody in here, what we're really trying to do with the church concept is if we can bring people into the church and disciple, and I love the local church and we need this discipleship, but here's what the calling is for the ecclesia from Jesus. So he's saying this, not me. He says, I have given them your word. He's speaking to his father. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. You hear the, the whole concept of the Lord's Prayer. It's like, you're going to be in there, now keep them from the evil one. They are, not out, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, and this is the highlight, as you sent me into the world, he's speaking to his Father, so have I sent them into the world. The ecclesia is meant to usher in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And we're called to bring the gospel into all the world to impart righteousness, peace, and joy. Over these next six weeks, or the next five weeks, you'll hear different things that we'll be talking about of how God works and speaks to us through circumstances, through his word, through his, through his prophetic word, through community, and through creation, and through his Holy Spirit. So we look forward to engaging with you and moving forward so that we can hear the Father as Jesus heard the Father.